Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to church today, and uh, boy, isn't it great to see our praise team with all those, those old guys like uh, Travis and John, and those young people, you know, isn't that, isn't that awesome? You know, we have, I, I believe we've been in a time of revival for several months. I mean, God is doing something. He is moving, and we have seen decisions made for Jesus over the last several months and those pictures and videos we saw at the beginning of the service were just you know they were awesome to see and look if you missed that uh i would encourage you to be here at 10 o'clock in your seats so you don't miss those things um but you can go on social media and see them but the, this past sunday after service Mitchell Briley came up and said man i need to make this decision for jesus and we baptized him right away and Praise God for Mitchell. I don't know where Mitchell is, but uh, he's here somewhere. We, we love him and his family. What a, great, what a great example. Yes, give him a hand. Yes. Uh, and whether, whether, we're, uh, whether you are with us in person or whether you're watching online, uh, I want you to know that God has something to say to each one of us today as we continue this series called Live Ready. Um, I read about a young man, um, uh, and, and it's a powerful story, I believe. Uh, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation has been granting wishes to children with life-threatening illnesses since 1980. Uh, most commonly, children would want to meet a celebrity, maybe a sports star, maybe a, an entertainer, or maybe the president or somebody, or maybe go to Disney World or something like that. But one young man named Max Shulis, who was critically ill, he was only nine years old, rather than wishing for those things for himself, he wished to enrich the lives of others. Before a brain tumor took his life in April of 2004, he got the Make-A-Wish Foundation to build something for his friends. It was a rock climbing wall on the playground of Ellisville Elementary School where he went. Dave Ness, who's the principal at the school, which has 600 students in it, uh, it's there in Ellisville, uh, Missouri, he said, we learned a lesson from a nine-year-old that even when we're going through tough times, we should be thinking of other people and not ourselves. You know, it seems to me that Mac's heart was right and ready. Even in the midst of his trouble and, and even in the midst of tough times and this uh, terrible disease that would take his life, his heart was not hardened. Uh, and last week, we talked about how we must be ready for some tough times to come our way uh, in life because Jesus said and promised that we're going to face trouble in our life. We should know that trouble is coming. It might not be exactly what Mac was facing, but trouble comes in all shapes and sizes. However, we also know that Jesus has overcome trouble and pain and hardship and suffering. So we can overcome by his strength. Uh, we are overcomers through Christ who empowers us 
each and every situation life can bring towards us. Now last week we also talked a bit about what it looks like to prepare and ready our souls, not just for the bad things, but for the most awesome thing that is coming. And do you know what that is? You know what the most awesome thing that is coming is? Jesus coming back. And we need to be ready for that. As we know, Jesus didn't just come once on earth, but he promises to return. And we need to be ready at all times for that. Now the problem is, we don't know when he's coming back, so we've all got to get serious about eternity and our salvation now. We've got to make sure our souls are ready for eternity, but also that our hearts are ready day to day, facing the struggles and the triumphs of life. And the heart of mankind, friends, is not easily tamed or understood. So we've, we've got a tall task ahead of us. As the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? <coughs> so our message today is going to be focused on how to keep our hearts ready even when we are in the midst of strife. And our big idea today comes from my good friend, Winfred Felton III, who is a, a pastor in another local church here. Uh, and that big idea is this. We need to stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Can you say that with me? Stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Let's get our hearts ready for whatever comes our way. Let's stay ready so we don't have to get ready. You know, we have an amazing responsibility as followers of Jesus to be quick to share the hope that we have with other people. And when we have so internalized our love for God and we recognize how much he loves us. We can respond to others with gentleness and respect, trusting that God will make himself known to them. We must prepare our hearts and live ready to share the hope that we have in Christ. So let's go to God right now. Father, reveal to us the impurities of our hearts so that we may deal with them and hold you as King and Lord in our lives. Help us to get our hearts ready for whatever comes our way. Teach us to set Christ up as the ruler of our hearts. Help us to trust him above all else. Help us to see that Jesus did not just come to save us from our sins, but to be Lord of our lives Help us to store up good things in our hearts so that the overflow of our hearts will be the righteous acts you want us to accomplish. We ask you to guard our hearts, Lord, so that Satan will not draw our hearts away from you as we struggle through this life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So let's get started. God's Word has some really important things to say about our hearts. Of course, we're not talking about our physical heart, that thing that just pumps blood through our system. We're talking about our spiritual hearts. Um, and, and I think we need to make sure we understand the difference. Um, what, what does God's Word tell us about our hearts? First, we understand that in our hearts, we need to sanctify Christ as the Lord of our life. Listen to that. Sanctify Christ as the Lord of our life. And if, if you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, I want us to read our text for today. And then we're going to come back and we're going to sort of uh, divide it up a little bit. In verse 15, we read, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So first and foremost, as we read that text, we must make our hearts a sanctuary for Christ. We must revere or sanctify in our hearts Christ as Lord. Now the word translated revere or in some translated sanctify, means that we set apart Christ as our Lord. Um, if, if we're to live ready in our hearts, we've got to give Christ the highest place in our hearts. And that means that He is our Lord. Not just that He came to save us from our sins. And we all want that. But He is our Lord. We have to submit to Him in our hearts. There will always be other things battling for our affections, looking to dethrone Jesus from His rightful place as King. But we've got to hold fast in our faith and revere Christ as Lord in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, when I was younger... And I hope you don't hold this against me. <laughs> My heart could easily be swayed to revere things or adore things that weren't Jesus. Early in my life, when I was a young boy, it was sports. Sports was everything, especially football for me. I love football more than I love Jesus. I'm just being genuine with you. I thought about football more than I thought about Jesus. Football had the highest place in my life. And then as I got older, you know what it became? Girls! I heard girls. Somebody said girls. We're... <laughs> We're in symbiotic, whatever it is we're in. Okay. 
I, I wanted to be loved by girls more than I wanted to be loved by Jesus. If I was dating a girl, I thought about her all the time. Even if I wasn't dating a girl and I wanted to date a girl, I was thinking about her all the time, right? I thought about her much more than I thought about Jesus. I did not revere or sanctify Jesus as Lord. Now, not that I'm judging any of you, <laughs> but I feel confident that I am not the only one who has struggled to sanctify Christ as Lord. Can I get an amen on that at least? It wasn't that I didn't believe in Jesus. I believed in Jesus. It was that my heart was not committed to him like it needed to be. Other things got in the way. I wanted Jesus as my Savior, but I wasn't really ready to put him up there as Lord of my life. And these struggles are very normal for, I think, all who believe. We'll go through seasons of mountaintop faith and then deep discouragement. And I had to come to the realization of where I was putting Jesus in my heart. I had to repent of that and I had to make the decision to put Jesus first. But you know, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It's a daily thing, right? It's all part of the process, and in the end, the goal is that we would be mature believers, lacking in nothing. This process is called sanctification, and it's a long one. And actually, it will take our entire life through a continual process of renewal and redemption as God works in our hearts. We've got to constantly be watching out for putting other things in the place of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. I learned this this past week, that the job of painting the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is a never-ending job. Did you know that they paint it end to end? But by the time they get to the end, however many years that may take, it's time to start all over again. And in reality, though sections and portions of the bridge are prioritized according to the need, regardless of the strategy, the bridge is never not being painted. It's one of the primary maintenance jobs. Why? Why do you think it would be one of the most important things to do on that bridge? Uh, why is the seemingly mundane and monotonous act of painting, in fact, a task of utmost importance to sustaining that structure? I think you can probably figure it out. Because the air coming in from the Pacific Ocean is incredibly high in salt content. And it will wreak havoc on the structure if it's not properly sealed with paint. Exposed segments can lead to corrosion, which can lead to structural failure, which will lead to disaster. 
And so a team of 34 people make it their life's purpose and even their full-time living by painting the Golden Gate its trademark international orange color. They climb ladders hundreds of feet in the air. They hang from harnesses and baskets suspended over the vast waters and risk their lives to put paint on steel. Year after year after year after year, every bolt, every rivet, every beam, every crevice, every cable gets covered. The safety of the bridge depends upon it. You see, they know that if they don't prioritize this, a day will come when their failure could end in catastrophe. And if they don't make this the focal point, lives could be lost. As the workers paint the Golden Gate Bridge stroke by stroke, similarly, we must set aside Christ as Lord every day. Every day. Every day. Continually. It is a never-ending process. Just when we think we've finished, it's time to start all over again. Just when we think we've arrived, we haven't really arrived. What I painted a year ago or two years ago or ten years ago now needs a fresh coat of God's Word and His Spirit moving in us. I can't afford to not revere Jesus as Lord painted on the walls of my heart. I am in desperate need of protection from the constant corrosion of the world which threatens the safety of my spiritual infrastructure. And you know what I'm talking about. One of the reasons this process is so important is because from the overflow of my heart, I speak. And speaking, using words, is the primary way we share the gospel of Christ with others. And Peter reminds us that this is actually a part of sanctifying Christ as Lord. As he tells us that we need to always be what? Prepared. Going back to our passage in 1 Peter 15... The next part of that text says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for what? Say it out loud. The hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now Peter was saying that once we revere Christ as Lord, we can live confidently and ready to share the very reason for the hope that we have in Christ. So you can see the correlation between having a righteous heart and a righteous witness, right? Can you see that? You know, if you're not living sanctified, if you're not putting Christ as Lord of your life every single day, then how are people going to believe that you really believe that? 
If your heart isn't right, then how could you truly share the goodness of Christ? The Gospel of Luke teaches us in Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now that is the full passage that I briefly quoted in my prayer earlier when I said that from the overflow of our hearts we speak. In order to be prepared and ready to share the gospel, we've got to make sure our hearts are right with God. And that begins with the Lordship of Christ, but it includes a day-to-day willingness to filter anything and everything coming into our lives. You know, friends, the truth is that when we love something or someone, we should always be willing to talk about that or them. When you love a sport, you probably talk about that sport or you talk about the team that you root for. I mean, that's easily done. I mean, you, if you, especially if you get with other people that like your team... You know, you're probably going to be, yeah, yeah, how about that? And how about this? Or when you love someone, you want to tell everyone that you love them. You, You aren't shy about that. Don't you think the same should be true about your love for Jesus? And yet too often we allow too much toxicity and negativity and evil into our lives... And that is what is going to flow out of our mouths. If you think that using foul language and coarse joking is okay, that just speaks to where your heart is. Because, friends, that's that's not from Jesus. That's not from the Spirit of God. Jesus knew it was from our hearts that we speak. And if my heart is right with Jesus, then I'm going to want my words to reflect Him. And then it becomes as natural as breathing to tell people about Jesus. It's not a program. It's not, you know, some thing that we've made up. It's just telling people what Jesus has done for us. It becomes second nature to praise Jesus in the presence of people. Peter informed us that we need to always be ready. Instead of feeling intimidated or afraid, we need to give convincing reasons why we trust in Jesus. There are plenty of reasons we trust in Jesus. I hope that you have these same reasons. We can share our personal experience of how Jesus has saved us and how he has blessed us and how we trust in him. We can share biblical teaching about Jesus. Maybe take them through some important passages in the Bible about who Jesus is. We can use logic or reason. We can share 
other people's stories. We know other people that Jesus has just totally changed their life. But you know, the key is that we're always ready. I think a lot of people seem ready to tell others, but honestly, they've missed the next part of the text. Do this with what? Gentleness and respect. Even if those other people might not agree with us, we're not trying to beat them over the head with the Bible. We want to talk to them with gentleness and respect. Years ago, when I was a campus minister at ECU, uh, CCF was having an event out by the student store. Um, now, back then, it was common for a lot of students to gather around the student store. So we went through all the right channels. We had to get our permissions from the university. And, and we went out to get ready and set some things up. In fact, we had, we had hired a group to come in to help us with this. When we got there, there was some guy out there. He was standing up on a chair, and he was shouting at the students. One student would walk by, and he would yell, You're a drunkard, and you're going to hell. And then another one would walk by, and, You're a fornicator, and you're going to hell. On and on he went. I wasn't hearing the gospel. I was just hearing judgment. And I'm not exactly sure how he knew what each student's sin was. You know, he, he might have said he had the gift of discernment or something. But he seemed to be very confident in his assertions with all this. I went over to him and I tried to explain to him in a gentle and respectful way that we had reserved this time for our presentation of the gospel. And he was very indignant. What, are you going to stop me from preaching the gospel? Well, I didn't say. I hadn't he really heard you preach the gospel. But I asked him, how many students have you actually won to Christ? <laughs> because it seemed like all he had done is make all those students angry. In fact, not long after I talked to him, several big guys, I think they might have been on the football team, went over to threaten him. And he took that as being persecuted for Christ. <clears throat> I believe he missed this part of Peter's encouragement. He was not gentle, nor was he respectful. You know, when we share our faith, we don't have to beat people up. All we are doing is sharing what Jesus has done for us. Yes, we may need to talk about sin and what sin has done in our lives. And I can tell them about my sin. So I'm not just saying you're a sinner. I'm saying I'm a sinner. And the only reason I'm saved is because of the grace of Jesus. We're sharing what his word says he will do for them. But if you get into a debate or an argument, friend, I think you've already lost. If your purpose is to walk away feeling like you really stuck it to them today because your logic was so brilliant and your reasoning was, oh, 
so magnificent. Friend, you've missed the point. It's not about winning an argument. It's about winning a soul. It's about helping them see Jesus. And they won't see Jesus if all they did was argue with you. Remember the last part of the text. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I can only imagine what all those students did after experiencing that guy's form of evangelism. I can only imagine the malicious things they would have said about him and his Christianity. So friends, let us always be ready to share the reason for the hope we have in a gentle and respectful way. And when we do, we reveal a pure heart and a pure motive. And this too is a way of getting our hearts ready. Living ready means that our hearts are ready. We have set aside Christ as Lord over our hearts. We are ready and willing to share the reason for the hope that we have with all people in a loving and respectful way. And finally, we keep a clear conscience. What does Peter say we need to do? He says, keeping a clear conscience in verse 16. Let's, be, let's ready our hearts for the job ahead. Friends, if you don't feel like you're living in the last times, just look around you. Now, I'm sure that there have been other generations that said, man, we're living in the last times. Can it even get worse than this? But boy, how many of you feel like, man, can it get any worse than this? I mean, I feel that way. Um, but I have to say, I don't know. You know, that's all in God's decision and in God's timing. But our culture is so far from God right now. And if you can't see it, you are blind. You're blind. Me saying that does, doesn't mean that I hate people. People are not the enemies. In fact, in Ephesians 6.12, we read, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So many times we want to make people that disagree with us the enemy, but the real enemy is the one that has deceived them. Friend, you have to understand who the real enemy is. And I think at least in part what Peter was teaching is that our conscience is tied to how we respond to people. Living ready means that our conscience is clear. We know that we have treated people correctly. We know that we have done all we can to share our faith with anyone that has been willing to talk with us. Living ready means that our consciences are clear. We know we have identified the true enemy. We know we have done our best to proclaim to anyone who will listen the reason for the hope that we have. And now if your conscience is not clear, maybe that's telling you that you have not set apart Christ as Lord or you have not loved Him so much 
that you would want to tell anyone and everyone about your love for Jesus. And friend, in that case, what he wants you to do is to repent. You need to repent. Make a decision that you're no longer going to set other things up as Lord of your life. That you're going to allow Jesus to finally take that place and reign over every decision you make. And that you're going to boldly tell anyone who will listen that Jesus is Lord of all. Keeping a clear conscience requires that we guard our hearts. King Solomon said it best in Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I wish King Solomon had listened to his own words. Because he allowed women... And their influence, and this is not, is not talking bad about women, okay? Please understand that. But he married so many of these women, and he built temples for their gods, and he was swayed by that. You see, the heart has been described as the wellspring of life. And from it flows life and death and encouragement, despair, anger, loving kindness, all of that. And this picture of a wellspring is an important one as we think about filtering and guarding our hearts, our wellsprings. Think for a moment about the process of filtering water. You run dirty water through the filter, which removes the impurities from it. And that process allows for clean water to come out at the end, and that's water that you can drink. And in a similar way, we've got to run things through filters in our lives to make sure that all the impurities are removed. Now, here are a few filters I can think of that I use in my life. I use the Bible. I try to study the Bible every day. I try to read it so that it can filter out the impurities. Because you know what the Bible does? It exposes the impurities in our life. As, as I read it, it reminds me, hmm, there's something that's not quite right there. And I've got to get that right with God. I also have close friends and counselors that can see things that I can't. Because sometimes we're just moving along and we're pretty sure that we know everything that's going on, and yet others can see something isn't quite right. They hold me accountable. And if you don't have anybody in your life that will hold you accountable, then you could be very susceptible to allowing impurities in. Through prayer and meditation, God will help us to filter out things. You know, we need to listen for the Holy Spirit to reveal those impurities. And then just time, waiting on God, allowing God to reveal things to us. All of these filters help me to make sure that the things coming into my life are pure and righteous. <clears throat> And I'm not trying to say that everything in my life is pure and righteous, but this is how I try to get there. 
I know that if I allow toxicity and negativity and evil into my life, then those are the things that will flow out from my life. And I don't want that. It's really a, a simple concept, but like many other simple concepts, it, it has some grave consequences. Making the right choices will help us have a clear conscience. Filtering our decisions through godly filters will help us in that process. Living ready and alert takes a lot of time and energy. It's just the truth. But this is literally a matter of eternal life or death. So I want to encourage you. You know, we are all busy. Probably too busy sometimes. Would you agree with that? Sometimes we're too busy. But carving out time to address these issues will pay huge dividends for us individually especially spiritually, but also in how we deal with all those people that are around us. Any time spent with God is time well spent. So let me encourage this. Take some time this week to evaluate the state of your heart. Do you hold Jesus as Lord of your life? Examine the decisions that you've been making. Was that a decision that honors him? Is that a decision that Jesus would say, yeah, I agree with that? Or in your heart, do you know? No, that was all about me. Is it money? Is it your title at work? Is it a person that is calling your attention away from God that you are setting up as Lord of your life? Is it your accomplishments is it material possessions or something else? What is it? Be honest with yourself. And set up the necessary guards to filter in your life so that those impurities won't take you away from God. Schedule time to get with God in His Word on a daily basis. Schedule time with trusted friends and counselors. You know, none of us do this alone. We need each other. Get involved in a small group or a Bible study so that you have other people to hear from. You know, what, what I'm going through is not just what I'm going through. It's what many people have gone through. Humble yourself and reach out to others. And finally, try sharing the hope that you have in Christ with someone this week. Let the overflow of your love for Jesus and His love for you and the redemption that you've experienced through Him come out of your mouth. Trust the Spirit to guide your conversation and trust God to plant the seeds of faith in someone. This is faith in action, and it's worth it. The heart, again, is the wellspring of life. It's too important to ignore or kick down the road for a different time. Ready your hearts this week, church. Jesus is coming 
Revival is here. Go where God is leading. Reach out to those the Spirit makes you aware of. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Father, first of all, we thank you for your unconditional love and grace. Father, we know we don't deserve it, but you still love us. And it's an amazing love. Father, help us to identify the enemy and stand against him. Help us to hold on to faith as we are attacked and maligned by the current culture. Help us to proclaim the truth that Jesus is Lord to all without shame or embarrassment or fear. Because, Father, you are worthy. As your word tells us, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Lord, we know a day is coming soon. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray, Father, that we will take that knee now before that day. I pray we will follow you as Lord and Savior. And it's in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.